Someone just say fire. <laughs> say, say, <laughs> say freedom. Freedom. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. No limits. That's all I can say is, wow. The, the scripture that kept coming to my mind during that worship and, and, and when Peter was leading whatever that was, <laughs> was, was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it was. It's here. And then when that scripture came to my mind, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, I heard God say, what are you going to do about it? It's at hand. What are you going to do about it? (laughs) Take the kingdom and make it manifest here. That's raising your expectation. What is it you need? And then I I had a vision during um, worship for this church personally. It was really amazing. I I saw this procession, and it it was this church dancing and singing in the procession, and then there were angels behind them, and as you were dancing and worshiping, the angels ripped away a veil and revealed a whole other aspect of who God is. Whoa. Whoa. And I remembered, you know, the word, the word apocalypse, you know, there have been movies that make you think apocalypse is something bad, but actually, you know, the word apocalypse in the Greek actually means unveiling. Mm. And in the negative, people thought the apocalypse was, you know, that's the end of the world as we know it. But every time there's an unveiling of who God is, it's the end of the world as you know it. So that's what I saw when you guys were leading this procession. What you were doing isn't just helping your community and your nation. You're actually preparing the way for the unveiling of a whole nother revelation of Jesus. So keep doing what you're doing. It's powerful. That's powerful. What I was hearing doesn't sound quite as powerful as that. Let's just laugh at that. (laughs) What I was hearing is that Jehovah's Zapper is on the move. (laughs) Jehovah's Zapper is on the move. (laughs) He he just loves to zap people (laughs) with his goodness and power. And freedom. You know, I was thinking about there's, there's a there's a ridiculous hypothetical story in Mark 12, where where the Sadducees, who don't even believe in the resurrection, present Jesus um, with this story. You know, basically, um, uh, a, a man marries a woman, he dies. They, they don't have any children. She marries brother, his brother. He dies. They don't have any children. Marries third brother. He dies. They, they don't have any children. You know, they have, probably would have not married into that family. You know? <laughs> but I'd say, hey, you know, might, might move on. But, um, <laughs> and it goes through... Um, Seven, seven <laughs> brothers, um, and last of all, that he died. Last of all, the woman died, and then they asked this just extremely important kingdom question: <laughs> at the resurrection, <laughs> at the resurrection, whose wife? Will she be since the seven were married to her? Let's just laugh at that. <laughs> and I love what Jesus says. 
um, Jesus replied, are you not in error? He said, basically, the whole direction you're going is in error. I mean, you know, just just trying to figure everything out, you know, getting more information. It's like, you know, some people probably spend a lot of time trying to figure out whether Adam had a belly button. <laughs> yeah, you know, some Christians have just, you know, spent a lot. It, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> For, for what we're called to do, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> and <laughs> are you not an heir because you do not know the scripture or the power of God? Because basically, hey, there's two things. Forget all of that. That's just rubbish. Mm-hmm. You're wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting. You know, you guys are affecting me. Yes. <laughs> I would have said. You, I would have used to say that's just a, a you know a bunch of baloney. But now we say rubbish now. Yeah, and he said, "There's two things you got to know. I mean, if you if you just boil it down, if you just get through these two things: know the scripture, know, know the power of God. Get get those get those things equally going in your life." You know, I mean, and get them both going. Sometimes, you know, we're, we're, we tend to be either one or the other. How many know if you're, you're, you're all word and no spirit, you dry up? And, and if you're all spirit and, and no word, you blow up. But if you're spirit and word, you grow up. And it's this, um, you know, it's knowing the power of God. I mean, we'll talk more about knowing scripture in a moment, but... Knowing the power of God is, is, is the willingness to go deeper into the river. Ezekiel's river in Ezekiel 47 is such a great illustration of, of life in the spirit. You know, he went ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and then he was swimming. In the, I, I want to swim. Anybody else want to swim? But, but I've noticed this, that every new step that God takes me into his river, I'm uncomfortable. You know, I remember, you know, I used to think my comfortability level was the indicator of whether something was from God or not. <laughs> Let's laugh at that. <laughs> I've been wrong so many times. You know, I'm uncomfortable. This cannot be God. <laughs> then I found out it was God. I remember the first time I ever raised my, I got saved and the song leader said these dreaded words in a worship service. Everybody, raise your hands. No, not that. You know, I just raised my hand. Yeah, no, I can't. Okay, I'll do it like this. Thank you, Jesus. No, everybody's looking at me. Glad that's over. <laughs> Ooh, that's not my thing. Next week, eh, not quite as bad, but still, I don't think it's for me. I don't think I have the gift. <laughs> Next week, oh, hmm. Next week. Freedom! I mean, just, you know, so many things uncomfortable. I remember first time ever being in a, in a service like this. There's all kinds of noises. There's unpredictable happenings. I'm not comfortable. Lord, you said... Everything needs to be done decent and in order. This doesn't feel decent and in order. And he said, yes, Steve, cemeteries are decent and in order. That's a good point. Cemeteries are decent and in order. And so you get, I mean, these kind of meetings, Wendy, are good for our wine skin, aren't they? Do you have anything to add to that? <laughs> I know that was profound. We'll see. 
Not understanding the power of God and, and what He's actually accomplished in us, because you know we won't release what we don't understand we carry. You know, it, it's really hard to release something. You know, because I remember crying out for God's glory once, and He said, "You know, this." He reminded me of the scripture where Jesus said, "The same glory, Father, You gave me, I've given to them." And so I was saying, bring your glory. And he goes, yeah, why don't you release that? It's like, what? No, I don't have any glory. He said, yes, you do. And I was sharing during the conference that I was afraid of saying I had any glory because I didn't want to steal God's glory. You know? And then one day God said, when do you can be as glorious as you want? And I'm like, that sounds sacrilegious. I, you know, and he goes, don't worry, you'll never come close. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden it dawned on me that the only people who are afraid of stealing God's glory are the people who don't know how glorious he is. The glory he wants us to shine is never going to be in competition with his. Because he is so much bigger than we can imagine. And so there's this whole journey of recognizing that we're a whole new creation. And yet we don't really act like it. You know, when it says that we're a whole new creation in scripture, that word whole new creation isn't you know like if you have an automobile it's not a new and improved automobile it's a whole new way of transportation and one day i was studying on romans 12 to where it says um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind and i looked up that word transformed and it's the same word that we get from uh, metamorphosis from so be metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind and I ran across some information about caterpillars and butterflies and one of the things I read in an article was that caterpillars don't evolve into butterflies they actually have two sets of DNA and while it's a caterpillar the butterfly DNA is dormant but when it goes into the cocoon, the caterpillar DNA begins to just turn to mush and the butterfly DNA rises up and actually creates a whole new creation. Wow. <laughs> and it hit me, oh, I've been trying to become a better butterfly. I mean, I've been trying to be a better caterpillar. The reason God can require us to fly is because we're no longer caterpillars. The reason he says go and raise the dead, heal the sick, the blind, the lame, is because you're no longer a caterpillar. If we're a whole new creation, we have to start asking the question, what am I? And what are my capabilities? And renewing the mind allows that to happen. Um, one of the, sorry, sweetie, I'll let you keep, go keep on longer going. after this. <laughs> one of the <clears throat> interesting things I read, they did a study in the 60s on failing math students that were they were getting the lowest grades in their class. And they took them aside and they hypnotized them. And I'm not promoting hypnotism. It was a secular study. But under hypnotism, they did not teach them math. All they did was tell them that they were excellent math students. And 100% of them went from the bottom of the class to the top in grades. Simply because the limitation of their belief system about themselves had been removed. 
This could be why God's saying, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Tell yourself who you really are. That you're no longer just human. You know, we really shouldn't use the excuse, well, I'm only human, because that's not biblical. (laughs) (laughs) What are we capable of? I mean, we need to explore the word of God. And really begin to understand anything that God is asking us to do. It's because it is now within our nature to do. That's kind of amazing. Someone say that's a good word, Wendy. Won't you just repeat this after me? Say, um, I'm entering a new season. A season of breakthrough. Breakthrough in my emotions. Breakthrough in my relationships. Breakthrough in my finances. Breakthrough in my influence. I'm entering a new season. I'm a key player in worldwide revival. I've got unique gifts. I've got a unique history. There's nobody like me. I'm needed. I'm important in what God's doing. I'm going to do things I never thought I would do. I'm going to go places I never thought I would go. I'm going to be a miracle to other people. God likes me. He's excited about me. He's raising me up. For something bigger than I know. The devil's a liar. He's trying to tell me who I'm not. And here's what I do about that. Ha ha ha. Yay. We're so excited about tonight. We knew tonight there'd be some wild people who would come here tonight. Some people who are one belief away from a tipping point. One belief away. People who the light bulb is starting to go on. It's coming on. (laughs) Whoa. People who are coming out of spiritual caves. I mean, Elijah, he he ended up in a cave in First Kings nineteen, and he um he was in a physical cave and a spiritual cave. Now, now, the symptoms of a spiritual cave is what you think is true is not true, even though it feels really true. <laughs> now, he, he was in there because of tiredness, disappointment, and spiritual warfare. He was in a spiritual cave. By the way, people in the room are getting, uh, are, are getting refreshed tonight are getting healed of disappointment and are are getting removed from false spiritual warfare in your life and actually are getting getting pulled out into a place of protection. And he, how many of you ever heard of the acronym HALT? Anyway, H-A-L-T. Never make a major decision, major conclusion when you're hungry, angry, Lonely or tired. Halt! Steve, before you comment any further, can you give us your great opinion? Why don't you just eat something? And why don't you just let go of that thing and forgive? And why don't you actually get into true fellowship? And why don't you just get some rest? And then after that, why don't you come back and tell us 
your great opinion. <laughs> I was going to have you turn to say to your neighbor, that might be a good word for you, but uh, I'll refrain from that. <laughs> <laughs> Elijah, what he, think, what he thinks is true is not true, even though it feels really true. He, he says this, I'm the only one left. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> How many know prophets don't even get it right all the time? Just because somebody's got prophet before or after the name doesn't mean what they're prophesying is right. They may be prophesying out of their own tiredness, frustration, and disappointment. This has got to be true because it feels so true. <laughs> Until God gave Elijah a perspective upgrade, Wendy. I love it. Yeah, you know what he said? He said, I've got 7,000 others who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. In other words, Elijah, there's 7,000 times more going on than you think is going on. That's my theory. That's why the power of the testimony so powerful. I believe there's 7,000 times more going on than you think is, is going on. And I just see this as a cave extracting meeting. And also, I, I just see the Lord is releasing an anointing to extract other people out of caves. People who, what they feel is true is not true. What they believe is true is not true, even though it feels really true. How many know you're not going to hear what God's doing by just watching the news all the time? How many know if you watch the news all the time, it will put you in a cave? And what you think is true is not true. And, and just in this meeting, here, here's what, what I'm sensing is happening, is that there's things that you felt are true, you're actually going to realize they're not true. They're not true. And we've been sharing that one of the ways we can know whether we're believing a lie or not is that every area of our life that doesn't have great hope in it is under the influence of a lie. We may not know what the lie is, but, but it is under the influence of a lie. And once we get truth, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pull us out of the cave. Yeah, so it's, it's so important to actually start asking yourself questions when you feel like you're in a cave or, you know, we shared earlier that um, the truth sets you free, right? So if the truth sets you free, then lies begin to restrict you. They make you feel like a victim. And so there's this question I like to ask myself whenever I get into that position and it's, what do I need to believe to have hope and to put myself back into dominion? Because we were created for dominion. You know, that was the original intent and it hasn't changed. And so there's this whole thing about, okay, it's okay to admit you're in a cave. I think all of us have done cave time, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe not in England, but... No, nobody here, maybe. No. <laughs> One of the things that happens, though, in, in cave time is we have a distorted perception of reality. I'm the only one left. There's no solution. Uh, whatever it is. So asking, instead of letting the, the problem run around in your head over and over and over, which keeps you in the cave, have the right question. What do I need to believe? What is true? Because God wants to extract you out of that. Because we're not supposed to just endure. We're supposed to overcome. You know, I used to think that the Christian life was all about endurance. Death and endurance. If I could just die a little more. And if I can just endure this with a great attitude, God will be pleased. But that's not what the Christian life is about, you know. When I kept trying to die, finally God just said, Well, Wendy, how dead can you get? 
Jesus didn't die so you could die. Jesus died so you could live. And the Christian life isn't about death. It's about living the resurrected life. And when you start viewing life from how do I come alive rather than how do I die, things begin to happen. It's a, a, a just that little mind shift of, you know, because I think it's in First John where it says, as he is, so are we. In this world, as he is, we've been pattering our pattering, patterning, <laughs> getting drunk up here. <laughs> we've been trying to imitate the earthly Jesus when scripture says that as he is, which is a resurrected Jesus, so are we in this world. That's a little mind shift. You know, it, it's always bothered me when we get people born and get them the spirit and then tell them to pretend like they're not. Just be a human being. You know, people get all excited when they get born again because they feel like they've become something they never were before. But then we just teach them to live out of the flesh and try to do, you know, legalistic, you know, try to look like Jesus rather than actually become a new creation and find out what it, you know, what does it look like to be a resurrected being? You know, that helps us come out of the cave and gives us that more of a dominion sense because it's hard to have dominion when you feel like you're just a human being. Dominion and coming out of the cave, it's not just getting rid of the circumstance. It's actually becoming who you're supposed to be. Your new creation. Just say, I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. Now, most... Um, Spirits of heaviness, most depression, most discouragement results from believing lies. So they're not circumstantial, they're not physiological, they're beliefs. Now, we've been going after lies all weekend. And, you know, obviously that's the beginning point, identifying a lie. And then the better thing is to identify the truth. But sometimes, you know, if we can't figure out, that's a lie! It, it's often we can't get to the place of knowing the truth. Now, one of the weapons we've been giving you over the weekend is the weapon of laughter and, and using laughter to break off bad beliefs. Yeah, I had uh, good doctrine, but bad beliefs. I had good doctrine about what the Bible said about God, about Christianity, but I had bad beliefs about me, about people, circumstances, etc., the Lord says, I want to bring you into unity and have you have good doctrine and good beliefs. Now, perspective of hope is the fruit of good beliefs. So we've been using laughter. We're going to do, you know, we've already laughed a little bit. Uh, actually, we've laughed quite a bit here tonight. I like it. And, and we're just going to laugh just a little bit more. Is that okay with you? Yep. All right. We used to, Wendy and I used to be joy impaired, laughter impaired Christians. We had no value for laughter. Then we found out in Romans 14, 17, that the kingdom of God is not about meat and drink, but about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's, it's one third of the kingdom. Someone go, hmm, hmm, hmm. So if it's one-third of the kingdom, maybe I shouldn't be passive about it. Maybe I should go for it. And, and, and laughter isn't all about, it's not the only aspect of joy, but it is, it is a part of joy. How many of you know God invented laughter and he does not regret it? 
Proverbs 17, 22 says, A merry heart is good like medicine. Science has caught up with the Bible again and proven that laughter benefits your health. Someone's getting healthy. So we've been having fun by... Because to laugh, you have to let go of something. You shared earlier in a meeting, and Wendy and I, we've been married 39 years. We love each other. We're best friends. But we still don't always agree with each other. Let's just laugh at that. (laughs) Sometimes he's just wrong. Let's let's not laugh at that. (laughs) And when we're not agreeing... Especially when I think she's wrong. I'm not laughing. Because if I laugh, she'll think things are okay. Things are not okay around here. I'm a victim of you. How's that working out for you? Not well. Not well. For me to walk in biblical joy, you need to do what I think you should do. (laughs) My joy depends on your behavior. But how many know when I finally laugh? (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Woo-hoo. How many know I've let go of that thing? Frustration. Anger, manipulation, whatever it was. And we know we don't laugh all the time. We weep with those who weep. We hurt with people. We, sometimes the best thing you do is cry with people. We've done that. But the body of Christ has is, is, is been joy deficient. We haven't taken our joy vitamins. And therefore, we're, we haven't been as healthy. And so we have a mandate to help increase that. So one of the ways we do that is just to laugh at lies. It's a way of breaking off bad beliefs. So... We've done that all the weekend. If you're new, welcome. <laughs> and let's just um, let's just laugh just a few. I'm just going to give you some basic devil lies, and after I share each one, I just like you to laugh. And I, I actually like you to laugh just even a little louder than you're planning. <laughs> For some, that's scary. Let's uh, let's laugh at this lie. You are a non-important person in the body of Christ. <laughs> is, it, is this called the Kent region? What, what is yeah, Kent. Okay, Kent. Okay. All right. <laughs> Kent is an impossible location. <laughs> Some of you are jumping the gun. (laughs) Here's how this thing works. (laughs) I share the lie and after, (laughs) after I share the lie, then, I know it's hard to control yourself here, but you guys guys understand now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. (laughs) Kent. (laughs) <laughs> Let me talk to this side over here. You guys, you guys look decent and in order. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> you want to go there? I'll go to this. This room. Yeah. Okay, Kent. <laughs> is an impossible location for worldwide revival to break out. <laughs> Matter of fact, God doesn't even like Kent. <laughs> he, he doesn't like Kent because of its sinful history. 
ಇದ್ದಾಳೆ couple more uh in key decisions that you will need to make in the future you will not know what to do <laughs> yeah and if you make the wrong decision god won't know what to do you know let's just get really personal here with some good lies you know that a lot of women may have experienced this I'll never lose weight. Last I heard God said nothing's impossible with him. Maybe we just, you know, kingdom of heaven's at hand but we haven't pulled on you know That's not for condemnation. I'm just trying to spark people into thinking maybe something's possible I didn't think was. I'll never get out of debt. <laughs> My kids will never change. just throw out to you know when we talk about joy and hope we're not talking about stuffing emotions please don't stuff your emotions change them and you change them not by pretending to be something you're not you change them by believing something different and that's really all all it is that's what set me free from you know i was so in bondage to my emotions because i thought they were all based on reality but unless you have a physical issue emotions are always based on the belief system you're afraid because of something you believe and you haven't factored god in Now you look at a story like oh let's one more lie one of the devil's favorites we should, we laughed at this morning but it's I love it um laughter in the church is from the devil <laughs> I love that lie can't you just picture you know when laughter broke out in the 90s can't you picture satan with all his demons you know I know this will get them let's make them happy i mean what kind of strategy is that <laughs> one of the the most powerful stories in the bible to me is in numbers 13 you got moses the children of israel coming out of egypt they're on the edge of the promised land that god had promised to them moses sends out 12 spies for 40 days to spy out the promised land they come back and give a report they break up into two groups of people one group is called the 10 spies somebody say boo <laughs> the other group is Joshua and Caleb somebody say yay they they saw the exact same set of circumstances and they put a different conclusion on what they saw those of you who know the story you know we'll, we'll share a little more but if you haven't read this story numbers 13 and 14 it's a fascinating story and they put a different conclusion the so really in reality a circumstance isn't as important as the conclusion you place on it. Now the 10 spies they said it's a great place but there's too many ites there. <laughs> Jebusites, Canaanites, Hittites, too many ites. <laughs> Even saw the sons of Anak there. 
We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in theirs. Let's laugh at that. (laughs) How you see yourself will be how you'll interpret the world. How you see yourself, what you, who you think you are, will either cause you to interpret the world as a a victor or a victim. And, And Joshua and Caleb, they said, let us go up at once. We are well able to overcome it. Say, we are well able to overcome it. Say it again. Say it louder. Now, the reason I have you say things, because you, you can't change your life without changing how you talk. You, you're not going to have something just by saying something. But saying something is necessary to having something. The worlds were created with a declaration. Let there be light. Jesus started his ministry with a declaration. In Luke 4, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. David was making declarations going after Goliath. Your head's coming off. (laughs) And, And so Joshua and Caleb... They were pretty incredible people. They they broke they, they broke out of the pack. <laughs> Wendy's speechless. And I love that story. And you know I can understand Joshua. He spent more time, if you know the story, with it. Moses, and he was on the mountain, extra time there. But Caleb's a guy I don't understand. He, he was with all the other, he was with all the people who were pessimists. By the way, someone's getting delivered from pessimism tonight. Pessimism is not, you, you, where you're going, you can't take pessimism with you. You can't take it with you. Um, he hung out with all the pessimists, all the victim mindset people, all the grumblers against Moses, uh, all the people who were looking back at the good old days and wishing the good old days in Egypt, they could have that again. <laughs> and he broke out of the pack. Just say, I'm breaking out of the pack. He, he somehow, so he, he just said, I can't think like that. I can't think like that. And, and, and I just, there, there's grace on us in this hour. We travel all over the world. I see grace getting on people who have fought the same way for decades. And then somehow the, the, the grace got on them to start thinking higher. To start thinking higher. To start seeing the same set of circumstances, but putting a different conclusion on what they saw. I see it, and I see God. It's part of coming out of the cave. It's part of, it's part of that because the the, the kingdom of God is not moved forward by by good conduct. It's more moved forward by good beliefs. And 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 just there's there's something happening where people are, are getting that. They're saying, what I believe is ultimately more important than what I do. How I think is ultimately the key thing. And I'm believing this for you. It's going to be difficult for you in the days ahead not to think higher. That's what I'm believing. I told you this morning, I said, Lord, who am I talking to? You know, and I heard, heard this, Steve, you're going to talk to great people. Many of them know it, but a lot of them don't know it. But you're talking to great people. Something's going to get on them. The Caleb thing's going to get on them. I think in different ways, we all kind of think that we're just grasshoppers. 
You know, we see the mountain in front of us, the giant that's keeping us from where we want to be. And we're unconsciously thinking, but I'm just this. I can't defeat that. I love the fact that Joshua and Caleb said, we are well able. And I think we need to face our giants. I mean, literally, I really think that a lot of our prayer time, we're asking God to do stuff that he actually commissioned us to do. And I think our prayer time would be better spent just fellowshipping with him and allowing him to tell us who we are and who he is. Little less asking, a little more investigating who am I, how does this work, what are you like because I'm made in your image and you know if we spent more time in that kind of environment with God because I don't think that Jesus actually took himself away to find out what's my you know praying for things I think he was just reminding himself who he was and who his father was. And, you know, I I love the story about um, uh, Jacob when he wrestled with the angel. And then the angel said, you know, my shift's over. I have to go. (laughs) And Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Ooh. And the thing that hits me is that he, the blessing wasn't a new camel or a new tent or you know anything like that. The blessing was a new name, a new identity. And I think that's the big wrestling with God is trying to get from him our true identity. So that we're not just grasshoppers. So that we don't feel like victims to everything that's coming around and every circumstance becomes bigger than we are. You know, even thinking about our country, you know, I remember God challenging me because he kept saying Any, anything that doesn't have hope means there's a lie attached to it. And so one day he said, Wendy, why don't you pray for America's national debt? And I'm like, <laughs> why would I bother because you know it's really difficult to pray for things you don't have faith for you just kind of do it religiously and he said remember what you're supposed to do when you don't have hope and so I'm like oh okay what would I have to believe to have faith for the national debt to go away And the answer came. God said, I can dissolve the national debt in a day if I want. One big invention, one something found in the ground or something in the United States that every other country in the world wants. Because nothing's impossible. And as soon as I had that sense of, oh, it's actually possible. I can pray in faith for the national debt. So anything in your life that has kept you in the cave or feeling small, we have to keep going back to it. What what is restricting me? What's the lie? But what is the truth? What's the possibilities? Because we're brokers of the kingdom. But we can't do it as grasshoppers. So the identity shift is really huge for anything that's actually keeping us hemmed in. Hebrews 10:14, great verse. Says he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. It's one of the most profound verses in the Bible. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. The moment you receive Jesus, you become perfect. Say, I'm perfect. 
It's like, you know, it's like um, you're, you're a caterpillar. You look like, uh, just work with me on this illustration here. You're a caterpillar. You get saved. The moment you get saved, you become a butterfly, but you still look like a caterpillar. Or you think you're one. Or you think you're one, yes. And he is perfected forever. So you're perfect in power, you're perfect in righteousness, you're perfect in protection, you're perfect in provision, you're perfect in, in, in solutions, you're perfect in evangelism, you're perfect. But sanctification is the process of getting into your experience who you already are. So I, when, I'm not trying to become something I'm not. I'm just trying to get out of me who I already am. It may put a little different twist on, on the verse in Philippians 2. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out of you. It's already there. So, and I love, you know, you know Wendy's illustration there, the metamorphosis. You know, in Romans 12, 2, it says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformed comes from the same Greek word where we get metamorphosis. Be metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind. And so the renewing of the mind is the process of getting into our experience who we already are. And I love how caterpillars make their cocoon. They make it with silk coming out of their mouth. Someone go, hmm. Hmm, 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 hmm. Mm. That's why, that's why we, because faith comes by hearing. I wrote a book called You're Crazy If You Don't Talk to Yourself, which validates some people in the room. <laughs> You're okay. But the reason we say things, the reason we declare because faith comes by hearing, Romans ten seventeen. So the more I hear who I am, I mean, I remember I was, uh, we were pastoring a church in central Nevada near Las Vegas, and this was early 90s, and the Lord, he's, he, he wanted, really we have hardly any influence at all, very small church, and the Lord says, Steve, I want you to say you influence nations. <clears throat> Uh, well, Lord, um, here, here's, you, you said, Lord, thou shalt not lie. <laughs> and here's, um, here's how, here's how I think it, it should work. I'm going to wait until after I influence nations to say I influence nations. Is that okay? He said, no. He says, that's not how this works. You've already been perfected in influencing nations. It's already who you are. You already got it. When you say, I got it. I got it. And, and for it to happen, you actually need to say it now. Not to other people, but to you. Because there's a part of you that doesn't want to believe it. A big part of you. It's called a stronghold. Built on past experience. And you have elevated past experience above my word. Above who you are. That is going to stop. Because where you're going, Steve, you can't take that tendency with you. I wanna, let's just laugh at a lie. This, this group with you. They get so excited. Alright. Here's the lie. You are who your past experience says you are. <laughs> Let's give an extra laugh on that one. Yeah. Uh, we'll close here soon, but I just wanted to throw out too. I, I kind of have a theory. Um, I love studying on the brain and, and how science is actually kind of proving the Bible now. And, you know, the, the concept that they've understood that we have a, a 
unique set of genes and DNA, and they've always known that um, you know you're born with a certain set, but also your environment can turn certain genes on and off. Well, now they're actually proving that what you believe will also turn certain genes on and off. And I'm thinking, you know, for a long time, they they didn't even know what all of our DNA was for. You know, they knew what some of it was for, and the rest they called junk DNA. And my theory is, is that God's created the DNA that when we start renewing our mind and believing, it actually can turn the correct DNA on and off for our new creation. Whoa. I mean, that's just my theory. You can think about it and study it up, but I really think he literally means we become a new creation when we renew our mind. More so than we've ever thought was possible. You know, for me, I'm not going to stop renewing my mind until I'm walking on water and walking through walls. I mean, what's, what's our limit? When do we think we've been transformed enough? That's a good word there. Let's ponder that. Yes. All right, let's wrap, let's wrap this up. I just say thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for Caleb people. Thank you, Father, for different conclusions. Thank you for the release of hope. Thank you, Father. You know, I was just thinking, just just as I was praying over you, just I'm hearing there's there's some powerful wave makers in 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 the room that you're you're not you're not waiting for what God's going to do. You're actually God's equipped you to create spiritual waves. There's wave there's wave makers in the room. There's healers of relationships in the room. There's Ezekiel 37 prophets in the room. And there's wineskin. There's people with ministry who have ability to just create wineskin upgrades. There's business leaders in the room. I'm hearing that the Lord is downloading ideas to you. That supernatural ideas. There's people with, with family uh, relationships that look impossible. And, and, and I'm just just hearing there's breakthrough. There's breakthrough. There's breakthrough. Yeah, I, you know, I'm just I, I I love a lot of authors that have just been birthed in England, and I feel like there's a, an anointing. And God wants to reestablish the church as the greatest, you know, producer of, of works of God, whether it's yep. fiction or nonfiction. You know, and I, sometimes the church thinks, well, I don't want to do fiction because that doesn't benefit anybody. I think that God uses that to restore people's soul. Mm. We need a break. If that's your passion... Go for it. God just wants to give you permission to do whatever you're passionate about. Because your passion for something and His anointing can take it to a whole nother level. And we have to stop saying, well, I can't do that. I've never done it before. I tried that excuse and God said, that's where everybody starts. Every great writer at one point had said, I've never written before. (laughs) so we just release more great authors coming out of England 
There's people in the room with creative uh, online strategies to promote the gospel in incredible ways. There, there's people within the art realm and, and the creativity realm too that the Lord is just, He's raising you up in, in, in powerful ways. And I hear the Lord saying, do not despise the day of small beginnings. And do not, do not have let a perfectionist spirit rob you of putting something out there and giving God something to work with. We just break off perfectionism. And, and we say, thank you, Lord, just for showing us what to give you to work with. <clears throat> I just want to say over Eastgate as well, we travel a lot. And, and there's few places like this. There's few places. This place, you guys got something. You got something. And so we, we just honor, honor that. We honor your leadership. We honor the calling. We honor the fact that you love the word and the spirit. You, you got you got both going on here, you know. Jesus says you're you know you're not an heir. You neither know the scripture nor the power of God. And I thank the Lord for the scripture and the power of God here, and you're important in what God's doing. This place is important in in what the Lord is doing, and we bless it. We just say thank you, Lord, for increase. We say thank you in the next five years just for acceleration and and clarity and and, and positioning and, and the increase of favor. I've got one of your um, one of yours who's gonna be an intern of mine next year, Heather Wright. Yay! Once you guys stand, Heather's parents, just, uh, yeah, just so good to meet you tonight. Yay, we bless you. And that's exciting. So I am going to have an infusion, Wendy and I, of Eastgate. I mean, the Eastgate anointing, which is really, it's a, it's a pretty powerful anointing. When you're concerned, I might become non-functional. <laughs> I've had that feeling quite a few times this I know. <laughs> weekend. A couple things here. We've got some books. I don't have many left. This is a book called Cracks in the Foundation, and it is a devotional uh, that dismantles traditions of men. And, you know, Jesus said in, in Mark seven thirteen, your traditions have made the word of God of no effect. So I take, uh, you know, just 43 traditions of men which have a measure of truth in them, but have often been misunderstood and misapplied and created a crack. Like, for instance, I, I do the, the thing that God is in control. Now, you know, God, that, that's a truth, but people have misunderstood that. And to interpret that, that means everything that happens is God's will. Not everything that happens is God's will. God has actually given the keys of the kingdom to the church and said, you control the devil. You guys are going to control the devil. You're going to control the speed of kingdom advancement. We, we, and, and so there, there's things that this is a, this is a, a powerful, powerful book. And just, just want to give that right there. Oops. Sorry. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to have to call the healing team out. <laughs> And then this is a book I've just written. It's called The Culture of Empowerment, uh, uh, How to Champion People. Uh, my goal is not to build a big church, but to build big people. That's what Bill Johnson's quote. And this is a book just for anybody who wants to influence people at a high, high level. Yeah, way over there. Yep. And, and this is, uh, talks about what empowerment is, empowering beliefs, empowering language. What's your name, by the way? Karen, yeah, hey, Karen, I hear this. The Lord is uh, releasing over you revelation on what Jesus meant in Matthew 16 when he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. He's going to, the keys, I see, I see you just, the Lord just, just you writing down the keys of the kingdom and, and just releasing them uh, in, in realms and your influence and in government education in that area is going to increase. And, and that book is going to be a big help. You're welcome. I just want to say, I don't think anyone's more qualified to write that book 
like my husband because he actually, besides Jesus, I feel like he is the most empowering person who helped me just overcome a lot of stuff and because he believed in me. Because sometimes we look at people and we think they're not doing anything because they're lazy or they don't want to. And so we use disempowering language thinking that their problem is is that you know, they don't understand they need to do things for God. And um, that's usually not the case. The case is usually they don't believe they can do anything. And, you know, when we first got married, you know, we really butted heads because he, he had this vision of, you know, we were going to be leaders in a church. And I wasn't measuring up to what a pastor's wife should look like. And I tried to use guilt and manipulation mm-hmm. to conform her yes. into my image. <laughs> Somebody say, boo, boo. <laughs> it didn't work out well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it didn't but work. But he changed tactics and he began to encourage me and tell me who I was. And I would still just be a shy, timid person who, you know, hardly did anything for the kingdom if he hadn't begun to empower me with encouragement. And so, you know, I think even reading that book, it's not just for leaders, it's for business people, it's for families even. How to empower people. It's all mainly about what do you believe about them. And one thing, thank you, Irene, so much for you being such a great facilitator. Yes. Yay. Thank you. And Liz, I know you worked a lot as well behind the scenes. Thank you so much for making Wendy and I feel so blessed. So, hey, if you guys receive the word tonight, say, I receive it. I receive it. I'll never be the same again. Something happened in me tonight. It's going to increase. It's going to bear much fruit. And it's going to influence the nations. Amen. Give God thanks. Give Him praise. Thank you, Lord. Yay.